your DNA is not your destiny. It's a blueprint, yes, but how that blueprint comes to life depends on how you live, your lifestyle choices, your diet, your environment, you know, and this is the essence of something called epigenetics. Welcome to the Soaring Child podcast, where parents of children with ADHD learn tips and tricks to help their child soar at home, at school, and in life. We feature interviews with experts, medical professionals, and parents just like you who are learning how to reduce ADHD symptoms using food and other natural strategies because children with ADHD deserve to soar just like every other child. I'm your host, Dana Kay. Hello, parents, and welcome back to another edition of the Soaring Child podcast. Today, we're kicking off a part one of a three-part series, which I'm really, really excited about. It's going to delve deep into the fascinating intersection of genetics and ADHD. And this series, that inspiration for this series, it came from the overwhelming positive feedback we received from Kashif Khan's episode. That was episode 51. So if you haven't listened to that, go and check it out. We are going to, you know, take that conversation a step further to discuss how genetic testing can be applied practically in our lives to help our kids with ADHD thrive. You know, as as parents and caregivers or even individuals that navigate the ADHD journey, understanding the genetic underpinnings can provide answers to many questions we've all had. But we're not going to stop there. We're not going to stop at that, you know, top level understanding. We're here to empower you with actionable insights and strategies. Because remember, knowledge isn't just power. It's actually empowerment. We're going to discuss how genes can uh, predispose someone to ADHD, the role of hereditary, and what this means for families like yours. But remember, our goal is always to provide you that hope and that encouragement. ADHD might be influenced by our genetics, but it doesn't define who our children are or who we are as parents. So if you've ever wondered about the genetic puzzle, the puzzle pieces of ADHD, you know, if you've if you've questioned how it's passed down through generations, or if you're simply seeking guidance to navigate this aspect of ADHD, you are definitely in the right place. And I want you to stay with us For the next three weeks, we are going to explore, we're going to dive deep into the role of genetics in ADHD. Now, most of you know who I am, but if this is the first time you've been listening to this podcast, I want to tell you who I am. My name's Dana Kay. (laughs) I am passionate. I am just so passionate about helping families reduce their kids' ADHD symptoms using natural solutions. I'm also a board certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner, but most importantly, I am a mum to a gorgeous boy with ADHD who is now thriving without medication. And I have years of experience helping other families do the same here in the USA. Yes, I know I don't sound like I'm from the USA. I'm originally from Australia, but I live in the state of Washington and have been here for almost nine years now. Can't believe it's been that long. Uh, So on that note, let's dive in. I am going to start, I think, with a brief lesson on genes and genetics uh, because it's really important to understand that part before we dive into the more complicated parts. 
So picture your complete set of genes. Uh, this is also known as your genome. It's an intricate instruction manual of the human being. Okay, this manual is so detailed that it contains a staggering 22,000 individual genes. Now, each of us is born with two nearly identical copies of this comprehensive manual. One comes from our mother's egg and another from our father's sperm. Now, while these two manuals are almost mirror images of each other, they're not entirely identical. There can be subtle variations between the two, uh, not in terms of what functions the genes perform, but in how you know, efficiently they carry out those functions. Uh, so for the sake of today's discussion, I'm going to refer to these variations in these in these genes as gene mutations or SNPs. It's, it's crucial to note that these mutations can significantly influence our susceptibility to certain diseases and health outcomes. But let's get into the nitty gritty of why the term genes and genetics are often more buzzwords than useful information. Uh, you see, these are like thrown around like candy these days. They're so frequently used these days that you'd think we're all experts. <laughs> but let's be real, most genetic reports are seriously more confusing than enlightening. I don't know if you've ever taken one of those. Uh, I, I, I've taken quite a number of them, not because my genes are going to change, but I just really wanted to understand what each report can provide me. So if if, if you have taken one, you know what I mean and what I'm talking about. The reports are like this labyrinth of these alphanumeric codes like RS12567895. And it, it kind of feels like you need a PhD in genetics just to decipher them. <laughs> and then there are those ones that are color-coded results like green and yellow and red, as if we're looking at a traffic light. But what do they actually mean? You know, unless you're willing to spend a year Googling every single term, most of the time you're left in the dark. And, and let's not forget the quirky, almost laughable tidbits that are thrown in. For instance, one report informed me that my genetics make it likely that I can smell the odor of asparagus in my urine if I eat asparagus. I mean, come on. I mean, how is that information supposed to be helpful? Even when the report, you know, takes that serious tone, like, like telling you you're at a higher risk for certain diseases, it often leaves you hanging. Like there's no action plan, no what now to guide you through it. And if all these shortcomings weren't enough to make you skeptical, consider this. Most genetic reporting companies and your personal genetic data often gets shared and sold to pharmaceutical companies for drug development. Now, I don't know about you, but the idea of my genetic information being used to create medications really doesn't sit well with me. So as we delve into this topic, let's really aim just to cut through all of that CRAP uh, and that fluff and focus on what really matters for you guys, for your kids, for your family. Now, one of the biggest misconceptions about genetic reports is that they put too much emphasis on individual genes. So it's like trying to understand a movie by watching just one scene. 
you miss sort of that bigger picture, that that uh, that overarching narrative. A single gene or even gene mutation isn't necessarily a problem in itself. It's how that gene interacts with a complex system of other genes that really truly matters. Think of it this way: data in isolation, it's just that data. It's like a puzzle piece alone, it doesn't tell you much. But when you fit it together with the other puzzle pieces, a clear picture starts to emerge, doesn't it? Now, through my extensive study of genetics, I've come to realize the importance of looking at the genetic profile of a complete health concern, like ADHD, for example, rather than getting lost in the weeds of those individual genes or those gene mutations. This holistic approach gives us a more comprehensive understanding, allowing us to focus on what really matters and how to potentially alter those predispositions. Now, for, for instance, when we're talking about ADHD tendencies, we don't just look at one gene or two genes. We focus on a number of them, you know, things like COMT, DRD2, MAO, 5-HTTLPR. Yes, I know they, again, they're letters, but we're looking at a number of them together and how they interact with each other. It's this interaction that can provide us with those actionable insights. Now, you know, the reason I'm so passionate about what I do really stems from my own personal journey with my son and his ADHD diagnosis. And I, I remember those days, those early days vividly. You know, I spent a small fortune, I think it was around, you know, $4,000 for a comprehensive evaluation, you know, and that, that, that was with multiple visits to a developmental psychiatrist. I'm going to take a complete side note here. And if this is your first time listening, you'll hear that I go on these tangents quite a bit. But if you go to the doctor, your standard pediatrician, and they diagnose your child with ADHD just by filling out a form, this is not the right way to do it. You do need to get a comprehensive valuation um, and that will be multiple visits to a neurodevelopmental psychiatrist. And unfortunately, I don't think most insurance companies pay for that proper diagnosis. It should be mandatory. I can tell you in Australia, that is the only way to diagnose ADHD. But here in the USA, your general pediatrician, who may not have a huge experience with ADHD, can diagnose and prescribe them. So for us, we did go down that, that proper path. Uh, we got the diagnosis and it led to an immediate prescription for medication, primarily because I didn't know then what I've come to understand now. So fast forward to years later, we decided to dive into genetic testing for my son. And guess what the report revealed? It stated like clear as day that he does not carry the genetic profile most associated with ADHD tendencies. I was floored. If he doesn't have the genetic markers, then what was triggering his symptoms? The report didn't leave it there. It went on to suggest that lifestyle and environmental factors could still influence ADHD-like tendencies. Talk about like light bulb moment there. If I had known this at the time of his diagnosis, our approach to managing his symptoms would have been entirely different. Now, since then, I've earned a master's certification in genomics and, you know, here's the gold nugget I want you guys to know. Even if you do 
or your child does carry that genetic profile commonly associated with ADHD, it's often just one piece of the puzzle. There are likely other underlying factors, be it diet, uh, reducing inflammation, environment or stress that contribute to these symptoms and exacerbate them. And those are areas we can target to help your child thrive naturally. Now, one of the reasons I love DNA testing, especially for kids with ADHD, is that it's like having a decoder ring for the science behind ADHD symptoms. So let's let's talk about some of the most common symptoms we see with ADHD. We've got distraction, we've got inability to focus, and that constant hopping from one activity to another. And when we dig into how neurochemicals like dopamine and serotonin are processed in the brain, that fog starts to lift. So it, it essentially boils down to two main themes when it comes to genetics or ADHD. We've got pleasure and reward, and then we've got distraction and lack of focus. So first up, pleasure and reward. So some of us have a version of a gene that's a bit stingy with dopamine, you know, that feel-good neurotransmitter. This makes us natural thrill seekers, always on the hunt for that next dopamine hit. It's why some of us excel in high-stake careers like entrepreneurship or sales. I'll let you in on a little secret. My own DNA report showed that I'm at a high risk for this very trait. But guess what? I've managed to hack my genetics to turn this into my superpower even before I knew the science behind it, which is amazing. Now let's add another layer to it, to this. There's a gene called COMT and its job is to clear out dopamine from our system. So depending on your genetic makeup, this can happen at varying speeds. Imagine having that low dopamine gene coupled with a fast acting COMT gene. Your dopamine highs are not only infrequent, but also incredibly short-lived. So you'll find yourself bouncing from one thing to another thing even more rapidly, seeking that elusive pleasure and reward. Now I know why my sister calls me a bouncy ball. But again, I know how to harness it and put that goodness into every single thing I do. So on the flip side, let's talk about serotonin, the calm down neurotransmitter. Some people are sensitive to even, you know, the tiniest disruptions like the ticking of a clock tick, 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 or someone chewing loudly or a noise outside. And this sensitivity can pull their focus away from tasks at hand. And in a fast-acting MAO gene, which clears out that serotonin, uh, you've got a recipe for constant exaggerated distractions. Okay, so if you combine these dopamine and these serotonin scenarios, what do you get? A picture that looks very similar to ADHD. A whirlwind of distractions, a struggle to focus, an inability to stick to one task. But here's the kicker. You know, understanding just these four genes, COMT, DRD2, MAO, 5-HTTLPR, can be a game changer in managing ADHD symptoms. And trust me, we delve even deeper than that. You know, the beauty of, of genetic testing isn't confined to just understanding ADHD. It's like having this 
this treasure map to to your body's inner workings and and when I'm looking at it, I, I love to focus on some of those main key symptoms, uh, not symptoms, sorry, systems that can that can offer just a wealth of insights into you as a human being, into your child. So mood and behavior, you know, we're not just talking about ADHD here, we're also diving deep into the genetics related to anxiety, depression, intense emotions, addiction, or even your predisposition to PTSD. Imagine knowing your genetic tendencies and being able to tailor your mental health strategies accordingly. Next up, sleep. Many of our kids struggle with sleep issues. What if we could pinpoint the genes affecting their sleep patterns? This would allow us to optimize their sleep and recovery based on their unique genetic profile. It's like having, you know, a personalized sleep coach embedded in their DNA. It's amazing. Now, uh, let's talk about diet and nutrition, the cornerstone of well-being. Your genes can actually guide your dietary choices. Should you be gluten-free for life? I mean, I'm going to say yes anyway, uh, even if your genes don't predispose you to because, you know, gluten, the way that it's processed these days is so highly inflammatory, even if your genes tell you uh, that you're okay to eat it. Or maybe lactose isn't your friend. Your genes can tell you that. They can also clue you in on how well your body absorbs and retains essential vitamins like vitamin A, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C. This is invaluable for knowing what supplements you or your child might need now and into the future. And speaking of the future, did you know that certain gene combinations can make you more susceptible to an imbalanced gut? This is crucial for ADHD management because of that gut-brain connection. You know, armed with this knowledge, you can take proactive steps through diet, through supplements, through regular gut tests. If we then go on to immunity, in a world where health is our wealth, understanding your genetic predispositions can help you optimize your immune system. It's like having an inside scoop on how to fortify your body's defenses, which is amazing. As you can see, I'm very passionate about this topic. Uh, let's not forget about the methylation pathways. Okay, this is a really complex system, um, but it's such a crucial topic. I am actually going to focus that topic on the next episode. We're going to delve into that in the next episode. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss that one because understanding methylation is critical to our kids with ADHD. Then we have the detoxification system. Some of us are more sensitive to toxins in our environment. Knowing this can help us make lifestyle changes to minimize exposure and maximize our health. I do also want to dive deeper into detoxification because this is huge for our kids. Um, so I will delve deeper into this in part three of this series. Definitely keep a lookout for that episode when it drops. Genetics, you know, it, it can be a treasure trove of information. It can even extend to areas like cardiovascular risk, uh, fitness, hormones, body type. You know, you can see the possibilities are almost endless when you start to explore genetics. It's like having a user manual for optimizing your health and well-being. You might be sitting there thinking, okay, well, you know, once I get this genetic information, you know, now what, um, what do I do with it? First and foremost, 
I want to empower you with this truth. Okay. It's really important that you know this. Your DNA is not your destiny. It's a blueprint, yes, but how that blueprint comes to life depends on how you live, your lifestyle choices, your diet, your environment, you know, and this is the essence of something called epigenetics, which is a field that is revolutionizing our understanding of health. It studies how your lifestyle and environment, so as I said, diet, stress, toxins, and even medication can actually influence how your genes behave. While you can't change the DNA sequence itself, you can influence how your body reads and acts on it. So here's an analogy that I use all the time. Uh, and I think that it's important uh, for you guys to really understand this as well, because this is really the key core to genetics. Your genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. So once we've identified the areas in your health profile that need attention, those poor profiles or those suboptimal profiles, we can then tailor a strategy to optimize your genetic potential. This is what we call functional genomics. And it's a game changer. It goes far beyond, you know, the generic reports you might find everywhere else. Like, you know, as I, as, as I talked about at the beginning of this episode, you know, it's really important that you find the right genetic report that offers that actionable insights that can truly make a difference in your life. Understanding your genetic makeup at this sort of lower level allows you to really take proactive steps. You're not just mitigating risks, you're enhancing your life and your child's life for the future. You know, remember there are a lot of practical steps you can take to, to balance your brain chemicals or optimize your life. Um, you know, what, what foods to eat and what not to eat to embrace your genetics. What supplements to take long-term to embrace your superpowers. What lifestyle changes are extremely important for you to continue to follow for your child to thrive? And also what environment is best for them to be the best versions of themselves? Let's not overlook the importance of regular lab tests to keep track of how you're doing. Plus, if your genes indicate that your gut microbiome needs some care or needs some TLC, you know exactly how to nurture it for the years to come. Now, before we get too carried away uh, with the excitement of genetic testing, as you can see, I get very excited about it. There is also another crucial point I need to emphasize. If your body is in a state of inflammation, that's a roadblock you need to clear first. Think of it this way. Inflammation is kind of like that static on a radio if you know what a radio is, I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm in my forties. We used to have radios. We used to turn that little dial and we used to hear that static. So, you know, if you're around my age or not too, too much younger, you'll know what I mean. Uh, you know, that static on that radio, it disrupts the signal and makes it hard to tune into that valuable information your genes are trying to provide. So before diving into DNA testing, it's really imperative to get that inflammation under control. You know, this often starts with those dietary uh, adjustments, looking in the current state of the body. So DNA is like your roadmap, but what's the current state? It doesn't tell you what the current state is. It doesn't know what your gut's doing right now. It doesn't know what your neurotransmitters are doing right now, or your hormones are doing right now. So we need to make those adjustments 
and target those things so we can reduce that body's inflammatory load. And once you've tackled inflammation, then DNA testing can become an invaluable tool on your journey to wellness. It can offer, you know, such a treasure trove of insights that can guide your health decisions. But, and this is a big but, make sure you're using a DNA testing service that gives you actual meaningful information. Not all genetic testing companies are created equal. And even if you do get a good report, you still might not know what to do with it. So work with a health practitioner that can really create a plan specifically for your child. Okay. Someone that can give you that clear path without a bunch of that jargon. So I generally hope this episode has been, you know, as enlightening for you as it has been fulfilling for me to share, because as you can see, I totally geek out on this topic. Uh, remember, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We, we're, we're only in part one of a three-part series. So if today's discussion has piqued your interest, you won't want to miss what we have lined up for next week. We'll be diving into the topic of MTHFR. It's often referred to as the poster child of ADHD and autism. Um, and that's not all. We'll also be exploring the role of methylation in ADHD. Trust me, it's going to be a game changer in how you understand and approach ADHD. So mark your calendars and make sure to join us for these upcoming episodes. You know, this journey to empowering ourselves and our children with ADHD, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We can't just pop a pill and it all go away. Uh, but every step we take together brings us closer to a life of thriving, not just surviving. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Soaring Child podcast. I'm Dana Kay, your ADHD health practitioner. Keep on thriving. Thank you for listening to the Soaring Child podcast today. To learn more about how to help your child with ADHD soar using natural strategies, visit our website at adhdthriveinstitute.com and follow us on social media at ADHD Thrive Institute.